Well, hey there, Sean. Hey, Laurel. Hey, John. Hey, John. Hey, buddy, I don't know if you know this, but your camera's off. Oh, yep, yep, yep. That's on purpose. See, uh, I spent the morning giving myself a little makeover, and I uh, wanted to get your opinion, you know, show you guys my new look. Yeah, sure. That sounds fun. All right. You ready for this? Ready. Ta-da! What do you think? Yeah. Um. Eh? I mean, I'm. I'm not sure what's new. Let's see. You still got the. Uh, still got that scruffy beard. Yeah. Still got the hipster glasses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you haven't combed your hair in like a few days, at least. So that's still normal. <laughs> that same shirt you always wear. Yeah. And your apartment's a mess, also. So there's that. <laughs> okay. Okay, first of all, shut up. Second of all, you're not getting it, okay? Because the new me is the old me, all right? What was before is also new now. You see what I'm saying? So basically, you haven't changed anything, you're telling us, right? Yeah. So this was this was just like an elaborate setup for a podcast about a Supreme Court decision that endorsed a least changes approach to redistricting. You're damn right it is. This is the WPR <laughs> Politics Podcast. I'm John K. Wilson. I'm Sean Johnson. And I'm Laurel White. This week, a ruling that changes everything by changing almost nothing. That's just the way it is. Some things will never change. That's just the way it is. And that soft rock mega hit is, of course, The Way It Is by Bruce Hornsby and The Range off their 1986 debut album, also titled The Way It Is. And aside from dealing thematically and lyrically with things not changing, I also just couldn't come up with a cheesier song to start the podcast. I just really wanted to get that good piano in there and mm, just, uh, yeah, schmaltz. Soft rock super hits. Um, you don't need to apologize ever, basically. <laughs> they just they get you they get you going in a very calm way. Yeah, just uh, you know the the ups and downs are the little eddies. You're flowing on. There's change, <laughs> but not too much change. Yeah. You know, a least changes approach to music is what I'm getting right. Pretty oh, soon we're gonna have to play yeah. some. Yeah. That all together. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Pretty soon on the podcast, we're going to have to like bust out some Phil Collins, I think. Yeah, yeah. Little Seals and Crofts, maybe? Yeah? All right. Anyway, that's, that's just me. I'm the only person who likes them. So, <laughs> major redistricting ruling from the Wisconsin Supreme Court this week. What was the case? What happened? Go. Well, we've been talking a while now, since August, about how there are these two redistricting cases, basically. One in federal court filed by Democrats, joined by, you know, another case filed by Democratic-friendly groups. And another one in state Supreme Court filed by conservatives, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. And that the Wisconsin Supreme Court, because the federal court kind of let them go first, has become the focus in the legal fight over redistricting. Uh, and 
what the Supreme Court said it was going to do, and it, and it followed through on that, was said, we're going to come out with an opinion that says where we stand on certain issues as it pertains to this case. You know, whether or not we'll adopt a least changes map, which is what Will was asking for, and whether or not we'll look at, you know, partisan data when evaluating redistricting. And they gave unequivocal answers on those. Yes, we will, we the court, will look at a least changes map when it comes to redistricting. That that's a that's a positive thing. And then, no, we won't look at partisanship. So, in other words, we're not going to look at a district that's, you know, we're not going to look at the fact that legislative districts in Wisconsin are disproportionately Republican compared to the state as a whole, because that is not our job as a court. So I think unequivocally a very big win for Will specifically, and then more broadly for Republicans, even if they weren't exactly out there celebrating it. All right, good, good, good summation. Uh, before diving into some of the specifics about the ruling and the opinions and such, can you just give a little broader context about the whole redistricting process, where we're at, um, where we were before this decision and such? Yeah, I can do that one. I feel that's like Sean... that's what I was going for. <laughs> okay, good. I feel like Sean can be that. Sean covered the decision this week, so Sean can be the details guy, and I'll be the like in an airplane lady. Um, yeah. The four. <laughs> yeah. I'm the in an airplane lady. Am I the pilot, flight attendant, passenger? You don't know. Whatever you know. I'm, I'm just, just a lady in an airplane. I'm at forty thousand feet. That's that's so. all you need to know. <laughs> yep. So okay. Um, how how broad do we want to go here? I, I would say, okay, so the process uh, started kind of over the summer with the release of census data. States have to, you know, uh, work on these new legislative maps every 10 years. It's in the state constitution. that This needs to be done. And the whole point is because population shifts over time, districts need to be redrawn to account for those population shifts. So uh, we got that data from the federal government over the summer about what the population looks like in Wisconsin now. That was a little bit later than anticipated because of some pandemic-related delays. And pretty soon after getting that, all these lawsuits started flying because maps in Wisconsin have been, uh, you know, a stomp, like a, bleh, what's the way to say that? They're important. There, yeah, there you go. They're important. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say something about like a, they've been like a legal stomping ground, but that doesn't make sense. I think I think you're thinking of lightning rod. A maybe? lightning yeah, rod. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. they're just like um, they're lawsuits because there's lawsuits over anything important. It's a big deal. We knew this was gonna be a big. The last time the legislature drew maps. Uh, in 2011, there were lawsuits. One went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court about the maps being a partisan gerrymander. And people knew the process was going to be different this time because instead of having a Republican governor and a Republican legislature like there was in 2011, we have a Democratic governor and a Republican legislature. So the dynamics are different. But the lawsuits still started flying regardless very quickly after. And uh, 
we knew ultimately, you know, that this was going to end up in the courts because of a lack of compromise between Governor Evers and the legislature. And now we're getting those we're getting those court decisions. And I guess this time would be a good time to point out that WPR has a whole separate documentary style podcast about redistricting history and the redistricting process going on right now, hosted by our very own Sean Johnson, along with special projects reporter Bridget Bowden. You can find that at WPR.org slash mapped out or search for WPR reports mapped out on your favorite podcast app. They're like our serious cousin. It's like Sean. <laughs> it's true. like Sean's serious alter ego. We'll talk to you about redistricting. This is like fun. Sean talks to you about we get, redistricting. We get fun, Sean. All right. <laughs> <laughs> get mapped out is fun too. Mapped out it's just, is we fun just, too. We just we just not like I, we're we're fun, but we're not zany. You don't you play know? any soft rock on mapped out. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> um. A lot of synthesizer though original music so yeah, that's that's cool, that's from, cool. yeah all right so uh, thanks for the context laurel that was good you're welcome um, seat backs and tray tables in the upright position <laughs> all right do we want to dig into uh, more specifically into the decision itself well, and then we can one more piece the... of context i guess did, did we oh, did you mention right. this laurel that like the legislature passed it's maps, and the governor vetoed them. Yeah, I think I I, I meant to imply it. Like yeah, we I, knew that they weren't going to agree, and they didn't yeah. agree. It's funny how that's been like be implied explicit. for like two years now. We've just kind of known it was going to go this way, right? And yet, but we still had to live through uh, <laughs> this idea that they were going to, you know, pass a bill, and what will the governor do? You know, there was there was about one percent of s- suspense there on how it might go. And it went the way that we thought it would go. Although you, mm-hmm. the the interesting thing now is that you do see how the legislature would approach redistricting if given the chance. There, those plans are on the table. And the governor's people's maps plan is on the table, which we ca- talked about a couple weeks ago. It also did not become law. Now, what was All your right. question, John, as I cut you off my, to talk about? My question I, was... I felt we needed to interject with some obvious things there. Before we yeah, moved on. No, usually that's my job on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, no, what I was going to ask about was l- some specifics about the decision. You you outlined kind of what the decision was, but it wouldn't be the WPR Politics podcast without digging into the opinions themselves and what the justices had to say about it and some of the things that they brought up and ruled on that we weren't necessarily expecting. Yeah, what what's the nitty-gritty there? Well, let's start with what they said they were going to, like, kind of the, the uh, I don't know, the, what's the, the main part of their decision, we'll say. The stuff they said they were going to rule on, which they did. I, I would say that the majority opinion written by Justice Rebecca Bradley and joined by the court's three conservatives, aside from... Um, some very small things that Brian Hagedorn um, did not concur with. He concurred with most of the opinion. The opinion from Justice Bradley basically adopted Will's argument, which is to say, we don't have a map that was passed by a legislature and signed by a governor. So what's the next best thing? The last map that was 
passed by a legislature and signed by a governor. And hey, by the way, it survived federal court challenges. So let's start there. You know, the idea being it's the legislature's constitutional duty to redistrict. Couldn't get it done this time. So we'll go to the last time they did it. Why wouldn't we, a court, do redistricting like more broadly than that? Why wouldn't we draw our own maps or, you know, consider proposals and kind of come up with our own plan? According to Justice Bradley and the rest of the court's conservatives, that's just too political for this court. That's like a political decision. That's a decision for the legislature to make, not for the judiciary. And so she was, they were, happy to kind of start from there when it comes to, um, you know, the new map, at least changes approach. They'll adopt, they'll, they'll change it to address population somehow. And we don't know what that means yet. Where, where districts will, will change because the new map won't be exactly like the old one, but they're going to start with that old one, which you may have heard guys, the, the 2011 map was pretty good for Republicans. And so, Yeah, yeah, they won big majorities every year that that has been in place, uh, even in years when Democrats have performed well statewide in Wisconsin. And so, oh, oh, yep, no, I, no, no, I yeah, it brings I might a bell. Have heard about yep, that. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. So yep, now yep. you're looking at uh, potentially keeping the broad strokes of that same Republican map in place until 2032. It's a long time, isn't it? It is. It's basically having the same map from 2011 to 2032, which is like a person born when the first map was drawn will be able to legally drink. <laughs> wow. Before another map <laughs> and somehow, could potentially be drawn. A really John will one. still be wearing that shirt, you know, in 2032. <laughs> you know what? It's comfortable. It's from L.L. Bean. It's soft. Oh, yeah. Those things nice, hold. Uh, it washes that's well. That's true. It's it's a chamois fiber. It's oh a, yeah, you know yeah, a nice yeah. neutral neutral medium blue. Why would you change a, if you could? Uh, goes with everything. Yeah, yeah. so it's a whatever. good neutral piece. Yep. Can I interject something here, just sort of like in the spirit of me being like the like forty thousand foot summary lady? Yeah, go go for it. <laughs> no, I'm just picturing you being forty thousand feet tall. Sort of All right, situation. now it's time for a summary, summary, summary. This is what Sean just said, but shorter. Let's hear it. <laughs> so, I mean, basically the argument from the Supreme Court, like the short version is, is basically you asked us to say it's not our job to draw new maps. And we agree. This is not our yeah. job. Yeah. I I think that is true. Yes, I think yeah. they definitely will got what it was looking for. You the know? Wisconsin Institute, the Wisconsin for Institute for Law and Liberty, the conservative law firm that seems to be involved in every high profile uh, lawsuit in Wisconsin, put this idea before the Supreme Court. I mean, they filed this case, and the Supreme Court said, "Yeah, that works." Um, and then, like when you look when it when it comes to partisanship too, they they adopted this idea that you know they're not going to they're not going to look at the partisan makeup of districts to like make them more fair because that's a judgment call, and they're 
well, they're judges, but you know, they, they're <laughs> no, saying wait, it's a wait, political, wait. they're saying it's a political judgment call for the legislature to make, not for the judiciary to make. And just the and, other side of, sorry, Sean, to cut you no, off. No, 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 go ahead. But I was just saying, we haven't really talked about what the other side of right. the argument was, which is, we think it's your, ju- this is, these are the, you know, the opposing legal forces in this case mm-hmm. saying, we do think it's your job because we believe the maps as drawn violate people's constitutional rights in Wisconsin, right? Like we think you should get involved yeah. because there there are violations of rights happening and the court needs to step in to prevent that. Yeah, Is and that I like would say the fair there's also like there's there's also kind of it's kind of a dry legal argument, this part of it, but they're saying show me where least changes appears in like our constitutional requirements for redistricting. It's not, there's no requirement under the U S constitution or um, federal law that you have like least changes. Um, The state constitution talks about districts that are compact and contiguous and avoid municipal splits. So those are state constitutional requirements. Um, In fact, most states don't have any kind of, requirements that the map uh that core retention is what is another way of referring to least changes that you retain as much of as possible of the core of existing districts is not a it's not a requirement that in fact it's it's discouraged in some states so they're they're saying this is not a principle to build a case on this core retention idea and in, and plus if you look at what republicans did in 2011 Right, when they I were was going to say, like, it should be pointed out that this was not the uh, principle with which they, you know, leaned most heavily when drawing those maps last time around. Yeah, and I mean, like, like most things redistricting, it's it's all like people's views vary depend upon their political circumstances. But ten years ago, Republicans wanted to shake up the districts because they wanted a map that was more Republican. So core retention was not a priority for them then. You know, 10 years ago, they avoided, this is another priority they said for their map this year, avoid incumbent pairings, you know, avoid drawing districts that put a couple incumbents in the same district. Um, Well, 10 years ago, they didn't really care about that. They put a lot of incumbents in the same districts 10 years ago and a lot of Democratic incumbents lost. So... You know, that that's I would say that's sort of the dry, like detail level argument from Democrats. There are there like more somebody who's in a 40,000 feet up in an airplane um, would would <laughs> or just freakishly tall. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whichever. Um, I, I think that like broadly they're saying you can't say that you're being neutral if you start with a map that is like demonstrably not neutral. This map is everybody knows it's it's a, a Republican map drawn by Republicans and has accomplished their goals. So to start from there as a court is the opposite of neutrality is the kind of the rest of the Democratic argument. So that's sort of the main thrust of the arguments in the case and how the conservative majority ruled. But that's not all there was in there in that decision. There's some there's some other stuff that you need to fly a little bit lower than 40,000 feet to to look at. 
Want to get into that? Yeah. Let's. Are you up for it, Laurel? You want to uh, fly dangerously close to the ground? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do oh, it. it. It's going to be super <laughs> exciting. Well, um, so so there's stuff in there where the court addressed big picture questions that weren't, you know, arguably were not before the court. Um, and so a, a few of those that stood out. For one, they have this, this this heading to one section of their opinion where they say, the Wisconsin Constitution says nothing about partisan gerrymandering, which is kind of significant. So, you, you know, we covered that Supreme Court case or that, you know, that federal case that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court where Democrats, the, the Whitford plaintiffs, argued that Wisconsin's map was a partisan gerrymander. They were trying to present this metric we talked about it quite a bit uh, for Justice Kennedy and get the court to declare Wisconsin's map was a partisan gerrymander. The court eventually in another case said, no, you know, whether or not a map is a partisan gerrymander is not justiciable in federal court, meaning you just can't bring partisan gerrymandering cases in, in federal court. We're not going to The old deal discussion about non-justiciability. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? This state Supreme Court says... Basically the same thing. This was not a partisan gerrymandering lawsuit, but um, it, the idea was raised in briefs. And the state Supreme Court, in this opinion, says, you know, the, the state constitution doesn't say anything about that. That was in, so in the future. So there's, basically there's like no home for justiciability arguments. Like federal courts, like no thank you. State court in this decision is like no thank you for partisan gerrymandering. Here's what I yeah. would say to in, that: in, in Wisconsin, yeah, in right? Wisconsin, in other states, in other state supreme courts, you can bring a partisan gerrymandering case. One thing I would say to that is the current court won't consider partisan gerrymandering cases. Um, I one could definitely imagine a future court where the majority flipped from conservative to liberal. You could imagine a future court in Wisconsin considering a partisan gerrymandering case, but that would require elections to change the current makeup of the court. You know, the next election is not until 2023. So who knows? So another thing that the court addressed where it got kind of specific was, you remember there was that idea raised, I don't know, a couple of years ago where there were. Maybe legis the legislature would try to pass a map through a joint resolution, just go around the governor. Yeah, I don't remember anything <laughs> we'll try. before like I a know. week ago. But for the sake of conversation, Pretend you did, yeah, let's, uh... there was this idea out there in redistricting world that the legislature could potentially just go around the governor for redistricting. Because the Constitution says it's their job to redistrict. And in fact, the attorneys for the legislature even kind of hinted that, that, you know, that's not... It's not really settled that they can't do this. Uh, so the the Supreme Court in its decision basically affirmed this 1964 case that said you can't do that legislature. You know, legislature right, can't. They tried that back in in the early 60s, and the court then ruled you can't you can't do that. You need the governor. Yeah, and this this Supreme Court kind of just as an aside said that's still a thing. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah, just in case you're wondering, just don't do that. Um, 
And then the other thing that they did, which was kind of interesting, was they alluded to their opinion being, you know, whatever they do with the maps, it's only temporary until the legislature and governor were to, you know, draw a new district later on. So Now, why would the legislature and the governor draw, draw a new district later on if the legislature and governor haven't been able to agree on districts up until this point? Thought exercise. Oh, mystery. <laughs> what if they got a different governor? I guess is the question. Oh, I see. <laughs> I mean, that would be so. So let's 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 think how this might go, and understanding that we know nothing, right? And that we'll, we we could be surprised when it that's comes the, to that's the baseline assumption we start. That's just how, that's just like a rule for our podcast. Like we know we nothing. know nothing about the future. We know lots of things about the present. Only when only when future Speak John visits yourself. us. Yes. Um, <laughs> so let's say that the court uh, adopts what it refers to as a least changes map this time. And in the process of drawing this least changes map, it does not get more Republican. Maybe even like gets very slightly a little more democratic, which would still make it a Republican map. But, you know, you've got to adjust for populations. Districts have to change. It's a possibility that it either stays roughly what it is now or gets slightly more democratic. I, I don't know. A future governor and legislature, though, could decide, okay, that's fine. We want to update the map now with our preferences because we're the legislature. And why would they want to do that? If, the least changes map was good for them because the map that they proposed in the legislature could be better for them. So this is based on an analysis by Marquette University's John Johnson, who looked at an average of the last three, well, the last two presidential races in the governor's race and applied that to legislative districts. And under his analysis, uh, it puts them, the new map proposed by Republicans already vetoed by Governor Evers would put Republicans like in the range of a supermajority if they had a good year, meaning they could kind of run things even more than they do now. They could override a governor's veto. So, right. But uh, the the assumption there, regardless of a governor's veto, the way you would get to that near supermajority map would be that if Tony Evers was defeated by a Republican candidate in 2022, yeah. and that's how they signed in these new, even more Republican maps right. into law. Right. So a lot of what, a lot of what ifs in there. Right. And. But that was sort of a lingering question out there about whether or not, yeah. if the, the power, sh the power sh dynamic shifted, if they could just draw can you redistrict again. New, new maps. Yeah. And I mean, I think the and, the going assumption was that yes, you can, but here is the state Supreme court who would be, you know, the final arbiter in such a case, probably saying, yeah, by the way, you can do that. Well, that's a that's a lot of stuff. Just before we wrap up here, two quick things. One, what was sort of the reaction from both sides in Wisconsin politics after this decision came down? And then also there is this lingering issue of the federal lawsuit that we mentioned earlier. So where could things potentially go? Yeah, I mean, I feel like in terms of political reaction to this decision, there really wasn't a, a lot. We didn't really see the Republican leaders come out and say, hooray, this is great. We're thrilled. We didn't 
really see the governor come out and make a statement either, did we, Sean? I didn't. Um, I will say I had like just enough to write from based on the opinion that on this, I didn't reach out to legislative leaders or the governor to ask for a statement. But I haven't seen them out there kind of, I haven't seen the governor out there like trashing it. I they didn't say. proactively, which they do. They certainly yeah. sometimes and I think put that's, out statements. I think that could be um, because this case is like they, the Supreme Court, all they did was decide the parameters. They still haven't decided the map. And so parties are still going to argue about like what the map should look like. And so maybe that is something they want to keep in mind. I, I will say that the attorney general, Josh Call, issued a scathing statement about this ruling. So he was definitely not happy with it. I do think it's noteworthy that Republican leaders did not say anything, though, because I just they didn't technically you would think like. You know, Republicans, they're basically on the same team as as the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty here. But Republicans maybe want more power than a least changes map would give them. Or they at least want to be the ones making the decisions. They don't want to, like, leave it to a court. That's their legal stance anyway. Oh, and what was the second half of the question with the federal thing stands? Oh, yeah. Just where where things could potentially go from here. We still have the the lingering uh federal case out there and what's what's next even though we don't know anything i feel like i can do that part go for it so for is in terms of where the federal case stands uh the panel the three judge panel in that case had uh put out a an statement order that basically they were going to wait and see what happened with the state case and not really get involved, see if the state could work it out. They set a particular deadline to say, okay, if things aren't worked out on a state level by then, then we'll get involved. So the federal case is really still on the back burner pending what happens here now. I mean, obviously, like Sean said, we don't have the maps. They're not decided on. We just kind of have new parameters. So in theory... Wisconsin could hit that federal court deadline for the federal court to get involved. Um, but that's that's kind of where that stands right now. So the next step would be, now that we have the Supreme Court saying this is the way we think it needs to be handled, we'll actually get the what the least changes maps would look like. They're shifted slightly for those population changes, but they look pretty much like the 2011 maps. Yeah, to me, having never covered a situation like this before, and, in you know, the state Supreme Court has typically not gotten involved in redistricting, period, in Wisconsin since 1964. Um, I'm not sure exactly what happens when they act first. What can the federal court then do? And I'm sure lawyers are creative people, right? They'll, they'll try to find a way that... Uh, <laughs> Gets the federal court to do what they want. Um, but I don't know at that point. They could file a different federal lawsuit, right? I mean, because this initial federal lawsuit is like you should have gotten involved in the redistricting process because the parties aren't going to agree, so you should draw the maps. Yeah, Once it, the maps exist. Then you can, like, address what's in them. Like, oh, this right. is a, that's clearly a violation of the Voting Rights Act, and, you know, this is... 
Yes. Of like but we a, can't say, hey, that's a partisan that's gerrymander. Exactly. Because that is not federally just, <laughs> justiciable. <laughs> there you go. That's right. But they could come up with another argument. I, and I'm, I'm sure they will, yeah. But uh, yes, partisan gerrymandering, that's, that's pretty significant. They cannot do that in federal court. All right. Well, thank you both for unpacking all of that. I'm going to get this thing cut down and mixed up, and then I'm going to maybe head to the bar with my same old shirt and my same old haircut and same beard and glasses and uh, see if anybody notices the new old me. That's like, sometimes we do performance art on this podcast, but John literally just told you what his day plan is. Yep. Yeah, baby. Hit me up. I'll be alone at the bar doing my crossword puzzle. Just look for the guy in the blue flannel shirt. (laughs) Sean Johnson is WPR's Capitol Bureau Chief. Laurel White is WPR's Capitol Reporter. And John K. Wilson is our resident politics nerd. That's just the way it is. Some things will never change That's just the way it is That's just the way you know, now that I am listening to this Bruce Hornsby song more carefully, it is clearly about hoping some problematic things in society will, in fact, someday change. But if you are looking for something good that will always be the same, well, you can subscribe to get new episodes of the WPR Politics Podcast delivered to you almost every single week. You can find it on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. While you're there, leave a rating or a review to help other people find it. And of course, you can always catch up on our past episodes anytime at wpr.org slash politics podcast. Mm-hmm.